Hello, and welcome to episode 184 of the End Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown. Andy Corrigan is once again MIA because his copy of Triangle Strategy has been completely lost in the significant flooding that Australia has been suffering the past couple weeks. But I am joined by my regular co-host, Tori Wassenaar. Hello, Tori. Hello. I just want to say maybe it's the Bermuda Triangle Strategy. Anyway, continue. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so you're trapped on a Mars base with demons. What gun are you using? Ooh. Um, I've always been a fan of the chain gun. <laughs> That's a classic choice, but I, I think I'd go for the plasma rifle myself. It's just so yeah. useful against everything. Yeah. Well, let's move on with the latest Switch news. For the past six months, Bob Wolf of the YouTube channel The Wolf Den, that's W-L-F-F, has been testing uh, an OLED switch, trying to deliberately cause burn-in on the screen, and after six months, he finally has some very light results. He's been leaving the system running plugged in 24 hours a day with the an image of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild captured. Uh, it's a link standing in one of the shrines, looking up towards a, a pretty bright piece of ceiling. A really great image to just really damage those OLED pixels. And the results are pretty faint. It's, it's very faint ghosting. Uh, he, he points to it in his YouTube video, and I kind of had to take his word for it, but I think that might just be more a result of YouTube compression than, uh, than his results actually being that bad. But... It's something to be said that even after six months of the OLED screen running continuously, that the results are almost invisible on a YouTube video. I, I'm very impressed by that. Tori, how have you been? How's your experience with your OLED switch been? I mean, I was always worried about when you, you play the retro games on it, how it's got mm -hmm. that border on the sides. That's yes. like. I, I, I wished for a way to turn that off because I was worried about burning, <laughs> but it seems like I don't have to worry. Yeah, unless you're literally going to be playing a game for 3,600 hours or 3,200 hours. An absolutely absurd amount of gaming that most people will likely never reach, and even if they do, it's not going to be happening in a six-month period. It's going to happen over a span of years. And even at the end of that 3,600 hours or whatever it is, it's going to be barely noticeable to mm -hmm. the average person. Yeah, I, I was worried about it myself. Uh, Burn-in has been a problem on OLED products in the past, but I figured, you know, I have my original Switch. If it comes to it, I can just always just transfer all my stuff back onto it. I am no longer concerned about it at all. I've been very satisfied with the OLED Switch, and I've actually played it in the past six months, I think. Played it more handheld than I ever played my classic Switch in the past five years. So there's something to be said for that as well. Has your uh, playing habits changed at all, or do, do you play it more docked or more handheld since you got the OLED? Um, I probably play it more handheld now. Before I had the day one Switch and the Switch Lite, and the Switch Lite was mm -hmm. my mobile unit because it was more comfortable, but also because the Joy-Cons Joy felt flimsy on the original unit over time. <laughs> and I just hated that. Um but the Switch OLED, the screen's, like, gorgeous. It'd be silly to buy one and not play handheld. 
<laughs> on it. But also the the rails are a lot better. But more on the screen, yeah, it's changed my habits. Uh, I will just load up games that I don't really particularly like. I just know that they're colorful. Mm. Like, I played the free demo for Ori, Will of the Wisp. What, what, what's it called? Ori... Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Ori and uh, the Blind Forest, one of those. Yeah. One of them has a demo, I think. Mm. Maybe both. But um, that looks gorgeous on the OLED. Seeing that contrast ratio is just poor. Yeah, because Ori is really, its visual style is really built around, you know, you have Ori and the collectibles are this brilliant white light and then everything else is really dark. Because, you know, it's the blind forest. So, of course, yeah, I love that. But speaking of the Joy-Cons, uh, I have, since I got the OLED Switch, exclusively been using the Joy-Cons that came with it. They haven't been drifting for me yet. But I, I briefly tried going back to my Pro Controller when I was playing through Bioshock earlier this year. And I just, I didn't, well, one of the joysticks immediately started drifting. <laughs> so that didn't help. But I was like, you know, I would rather just keep playing with my Joy-Cons. So I have been. Uh, how have your Joy-Cons been holding up on your OLED? If you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen how many Joy-Con controllers I have. So <laughs> I'm always swapping them around, depending on what mood I'm in. Um, so I haven't actually encountered any drift on any of the Joy-Cons. Wow. And it's probably because I swapped them around so much. Could be. Like my launch, my gray Joy-Cons, they started drifting after about 10 months. Uh, I, I distinctly remember when I first noticed it. It was I was playing the first Dragon Quest Builders, which I think came out in February of 2018. And that was the first game I noticed it in. So I replaced those with uh, blue and pink set, or the green and pink set after that. Those still work fine, too. And then I've got my white ones now, which are, are perfect. So I, I seem to be set for Joy-Cons for the moment anyway, although we'll see long-term what happens to those. Another note from Bob Wolf's tests, uh, he finds that even though that Switch has been running continuously for the past six months for 3,200 hours, it still holds a, t a full battery charge as well, which is amazing because uh, if you're a long-time listener of the show, you know when I first got my Switch, I was quite paranoid about frying my battery and even now I, I still I refuse to plug it my switch into anything that's not the official Nintendo charger I will not use a third-party charger I won't do it but it's it's good to know that I can count on my battery still being good even though I leave it plugged in charging for most the majority of the day yeah well the the switch uh, charger has its own like proprietary power delivery mm -hmm. thing um i think bob wolf made a video about it the the way that it draws power from the the brick isn't constant it's kind of dynamic that's good <laughs> no, yeah i don't know much about this hardware stuff i'm just glad that it's working out well for me because uh, i did take a bit of a gamble with the oled switch <laughs> yeah well the the battery life is um much better than what even Nintendo advertised, especially if you're playing games with a lot of contrast. Because mm -hmm. the black means it's off. Yeah, it's not drawing any power, which is, you yeah. know, handy. Yeah, so horror games you can play for much longer. All right, well, that does it for this week's news, so let's move on with what we played this week, which was a lot of Doom. Doomy Dooms of Doom. Nintendo is doomed. 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 
So the release for this week that I uh, played that was new is ChexQuest HD, which has an interesting history to Doom, but we'll, we'll build up to that. That's what we'll, be, what we'll close on. Uh, first thing I t- played was Doom 3, which I'd never played before. And uh, I- I'd read some things about it, but I didn't really have much of a preconception going into it that I, I assumed I was going to enjoy it or not enjoy this game, but... Oh boy, did I not like this game. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Doom 3, it's the same basic, you know, Doom story. You're a space marine on Mars, and the scientists at the base you're assigned to have been doing experiments with teleportation. They accidentally, or on purpose, it's not clear, uh, tap into the gates of hell, and then your base is being invaded by demons and all your other space marine pals are being turned into zombies and you've got to run around as as the only guy with a gun who can do anything about it and shoot everything it's 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 a classic doom premise it's basically a reboot but it's it's very different at the same time and it's all those ways that it's different that I do not care for it and Tori I see you have written down here that you have thoughts about it as a doom game too so why don't you uh get us started on this okay so i played this back when it first came out roughly like within a, a year or two um this was the original can your pc run it game um, really hmm. yeah because this would have come out just before crisis right a couple of years before this came out around the same hmm. time as half-life 2 i want to say the, the this was sold on the premise of real-time shadows, dynamic lighting. Yeah, I'll say that for it. For the time it was made, the lighting is incredible. There's really not a lot of places that show off the lighting system they've built here, but using the flashlight to highlight monsters, uh, that stuff does hold up really well today, and I, I can tell that was that was the part of the game that they were re- worked really hard on. The funny thing is, is that the flashlight was its individual weapon in Mm -hmm. the original game. Mm -hmm. So it's either you had a gun up or the flashlight. And people always say that they love this because they say (sighs) it increases the tension because it means that either you see the monster or you have to shoot at it. And I'm just thinking they were playing around with the dynamic shadows to the point where if if it was dark and it was making you hold your flashlight, you probably weren't going to be attacked. (laughs) <laughs> probably like it made it predictable well this is the uh the update they put out of doom 3 on bfg yeah. then next gen con consoles so now you can use the flashlight and your gun at the same time but i have seen video of where you have to swap between them it does not look like a fun experience at all and there were a few places where i just i lost my head and i just didn't turn my flashlight on and uh was trying to shoot things in the pitch black, and it was not a fun experience. I would not want to play this entire game like that. Heck no. <laughs> well, this one part that um, you're escorting an NPC that's holding a lantern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, the trick is to just follow him so that you could see things and also shoot them. And if you let him die, then that's like the only exception to that rule of either you have the flashlight and you're probably safe, or you have a gun out and you can see and you're fine. It, it ruined a lot of the jump scares for me. Because if you had your flashlight out, mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't cheap. It refused to be cheap. 
in, in terms of the flashlight, at least. There's still some cheap monster closets in this. Let's talk about that. The, uh, the jump scares and the monster closets, because really, uh, another thing I want to say about this game is it's too dang long. Yes. Uh, no, no reason for this game to be 10, 15 hours long. And then it's just the same thing over and over and over and over. Like the, the level design is really boring. Like no matter where you're going on this Mars base, everything looks the same. And even in the first level, I saw that the hallways were kind of like twisting unnecessarily around each other. It's like, this is not how a functioning building works. Hallways do not twist this way. I can tell you're doing this just so that there's more real estate for me to run across. And also so that way there's more walls for me to hide behind when we get to the shooting part of the game. And then that just carries on. And then the jump scares and the monster closets. Like, every few feet in this game, you get attacked from both sides by monsters that either appear from a wall that pulls away or just flat-out teleport in behind you. And it, mm. it got so predictable that I was like, oh, here's a monster, I'll kill it. Now I better turn around and shoot the one that's coming up behind me, because I know it's there. It 10 to 12 hours, however long it took me to beat this game, doing that over and over and over, it just... It was not fun <laughs> it, it, it was started frustrating and after a while it just got boring yeah I, I say it's a half decent horror game because at the time there was nothing like it really mm -hmm. those maggot baby things those things are still creepy today yeah um the that mancubus design as well i remember being quite horrific when i was uh, younger because I think I was only like 10 or 12 years old when this came out and I played it. Hmm. Which one is the Mancubus? That's the big uh, fat monster. In this one, he's got tentacles on his oh. face, I think. Oh, the, the the rocket hand guy? Yeah, he's got two hmm. rocket hands. Um, they're meant to be cool. flamethrowers as well. I don't know if they are in this. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I I am so desensitized on horror games at this point. The Mancubus didn't even make an impression on me, but <laughs> the 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 maggot baby sure did. I was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of creepy designs to this because I think when they made this game, I guess Doom One and Two were probably scary to people back when it came out, but the appeal was always the run and gun nature of it yeah it was so fast you didn't have time to be scared no well you have these like strong creepy monsters and you're just mowing them down like they're nothing and that's meant to give you a sense of it's a power fantasy exactly yeah like the doom one and doom two there's a power fantasy there doom three there's no power fantasy this is very much a horror game i'm actually thinking that it's interesting that during this era of video games in the mid 2000s resident evil was becoming more of an action game and then you have id software taking doom trying to make it more of a horror game <laughs> and we saw uh which series that worked out better for but <laughs> yeah then then after doom three uh we get Doom 2016 eventually, uh, and it goes straight back to that power fantasy. Like, literally, the power fantasy is you are the monster that the demons of hell are terrified of, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I feel like when they made this Doom 3, they didn't realize that the appeal wasn't the hot 
horror it was the power fantasy mm-hmm. and just just the way the game feels to play this does not feel like a doom game like the guns are so weak and they sound weak and like the shotgun i was so dismayed with this game shotgun <laughs> the thing i hate the most is the reloading yes and it was added into attention mm-hmm. but it just creates frustration because if you start the reload animation you cannot stop it so you are stuck reloading and often getting wailed on by monsters and that is where most of my deaths came from luckily there's a very generous quick save and quick load system in this even on console so it was easy to just pop back to my last quick save but still it was really frustrating if i had a gun out and just happened to run out of ammo when a monster was in my face and doom guy starts automatically reloading and i'm stuck staring at the reloading animation instead of switching to my sidearm like a smart space marine would do very frustrating yeah it's a subpar horror game and it's a subpar action game (laughs) and it's just a bad doom game it's an awful doom game and i'll stand I'll, i'll die on that hill people might still like it and that's fine but as a doom game as its own entity it doesn't resemble it at all yeah, it's, it's, this was a failed reboot as far as I'm concerned. Did have a few people on Twitter say that they loved this game, that this game legitimately gave them nightmares when they were children. I guess I was in my early 20s when this game came out, so I guess I just I just missed that. But I was not impressed by it at all. Did you play the Resurrection of Evil expansion? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did too. First thing I immediately noticed about that, was the monster closet ambushes are gone. Nothing teleports behind you in this, so... I don't think it made it. Oh, that would that would explain it. I think it was Gearbox? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to sarcastically suggest it was Gearbox, because uh, if you don't know, that was how Gearbox got started before they uh, embezzled money to make oh, Borderlands. Nerve software, um, sorry. Oh, Nerve software, oh, that's too bad. Well, well, we still got that trivia about uh, Gearbox in there anyway. Uh, <laughs> Resurrection of Evil is an expansion. It's it's included in the Switch version, which is really nice. It's it's more the same. the The environments are a little different. There's a a little kind of demonic temple you start off in instead of the Mars base, but you you soon end up back in the Mars base, and it's the exact same Mars base. But the lack of things teleporting in behind me made it a lot less aggravating, yet no more fun to play. Yeah, I remember the double-barreled shotgun, or the super shotgun, Mm -hmm. that addition was very welcomed by fans. Oh, okay. Because I saw that there was a missing slot in my weapon selection in the base game, and I I assumed that was the super shotgun, and I just just missed it, because I I was not trying very hard to open every one of the... uh, the lockers in the game where you have to find the code for them. I was like, I don't, I don't want to dig through everybody's PDAs to find the codes for these lockers because I'm doing fine without them. So I just, I just moved on. It's a survival but, horror thing that, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't fit in this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an identity crisis. <laughs> I did get the super shotgun in Resurrection of Evil, and that was the gun I used through most of it. That was a huge improvement over the shotgun in the base game, which I reiterate, bad shotgun so bad i don't think the super shotgun was in the base game it was just added in resurrection of evil and it it just happens to still be on the user interface because it's using the same user interface because it's all been updated so that that makes sense yeah i i I just figured i missed something but the grabber gun 
was the big deal when it first came out. Because we were still in the aftermath of Half-Life 2, so that was that was the gravity gun. Every game's got to have a gravity gun. Time Splitters had a gravity gun. Now Doom's got to have a gravity gun. Uh, I only used it when I had to. I remember at the time it was cool because physics engines mm-hmm. weren't really a thing. Like a wide common thing back then. Mm-hmm. But, eh. <laughs> I, I remember not really ending up using it that much. It was a cool idea, but... Yeah, there's one boss that you have to use it on, so I used mm. it on that. But there was just no feedback on when the gun was working. Like, I was pull- holding down the trigger, yeah. and the gun was just sitting there. There was no animation. There was no, like, charging sensation coming from the gun. It was just grabbing things when it passed in front of it if I happened to be holding down the trigger. I didn't find it necessary to use it except for the one boss fight, so I just didn't. Yeah, it, it didn't need to exist. Really, it was really just <laughs> added in to go, hey, we got a physics engine in Doom 3. It, it was a fad. It was the style at the time. Yeah. Anyway, Reza, Doom 3, bad. Resurrection of Evil, middling. I was I was not impressed by these games at all. <laughs> so, What did you think of the final boss of the base game? Oh, the Cyber Demon? Yeah. Um, once I figured out what I was supposed to do, it wasn't that bad. But <laughs> The disappointing thing to me was is that you're not really directly interacting with it. You're just fighting other demons to charge your soul cube and then shoot the soul cube at it. Yeah, like I, I didn't even realize I could use the soul cube until I got to that fight. That was another thing that irritated me was there's a sequence in Doom 3 where you get sent to hell. You lose all of your guns for no freaking reason. They just take them all away. And then when you escape hell and go back to the Mars lab, yay, this place again, you lose all your guns again. It, why <laughs> it's that annoyed me yeah i i don't know but that that soul but, cube actually shows up in doom 2016 as an easter egg i i need to replay that and keep an eye out for that because uh i was having such a bad time playing doom 3 i actually bought doom eternal finally specifically just to wash the taste of this mouth out of my brain just so i could just forget that i ever played this thing have you played doom eternal before not yet. Okay. I'm very I'm interested. I'm going to get to it soon. Because <laughs> I love it. Andy hates it. <laughs> <laughs> it's divisive. Those are the best ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, Doom 3, uh, as I said, it's a failed reboot as far as I'm concerned. Like y- You can completely skip it, and I recommend you do. It's just Doom 1, Doom 2, uh, Doom 64. Yes. Uh, Doom 64 is the real Doom 3, and uh, I immediately semi-immediately jumped into that after I finished Doom 3. In spite of the name, you know, you might hear Doom 64, especially if you were uh, a growing gamer child in the 90s. You know, a game came out with 64 slapped on the end of it. It meant it was a port on the Nintendo 64. Surprisingly, no. Doom 64 is a completely new Doom game, and it's basically Doom 3. It's more Doom 3 than Doom 3 is in terms of the overarching continuity of the series, such as it is. 
my immediate reaction to Doom 64 when I got into the first level in this uh, HD remaster, why does this have motion controls? <laughs> and they're on by default. Like I understand motion controls when there's uh, 360 degree aiming, when you can aim up and down and left and right in all directions. The only use for motion controls in this game is to turn, and I have a right joystick for that completely useless i immediately turned it off have you tried to play with the motion controls i don't think i did 64 no yeah yeah it's a 2d game technically Mm -hmm. it does this it's a very classic doom game it plays exactly like the old doom game same speed the weapons work the same way if a monster happens to be on a higher or lower elevation your aim will magically aim up and down even though you're still facing forward because that was the hack they did to make it work in 1993 but there are some uh slight differences in this game i i distinctly remember when i owned this game on nintendo 64 as a child the imps being purple they are not purple in this remaster anymore was i just out of my head was my tv broken or did they change that for the remaster i thought there were normal imps and purple imps in this there are like invisible imps that have a real purple shade to them but i i'm i'm probably conflating the two but i i I thought for sure that even the regular imps were just this violet shade of purple basically but i'm probably conflating is my problem yeah there's a, a version of them called the nightmare imp which is like a blue purple but they're normally mm. a bit invisible. That is probably what I'm thinking of, but there's there's all kinds of really cool revisions to the monsters in this. They gave everything a real facelift, especially the pain elementals. Those things are a lot more uh, interesting looking now. <laughs> I remember playing through this and getting the pain elementals and Cacodemons mixed up because they look so mm-hmm. radically different. Well, because the caco demons which in the base game are the the red and blue ones with the green eyes uh they're brown in this. they look like yeah they look like the pain elementals now like the old pain elementals and then the pain elementals have like two mouths on either side that they spit yeah double barrel uh fiery soul heads at you and those things hit like trucks now but they're red <laughs> so they switched <laughs> colors that's why you're yeah. confusing me but yeah the the pain elementals are metal as heck I could say hell. It's doom. (laughs) (laughs) Hell's just a place. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of redesigns. The Mancubus looks like something out of Quake. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, I think Quake had just come out when this game was released too. So that that may have been some inspiration there. But certainly not just a, a lazy port or even just a a mod campaign that they got working on Nintendo 64. They put a lot of effort into this. It's got original art design put into it on all the monsters. It's not just lazy copy and paste. The levels, I feel, aren't as strong as they were in Doom 1 and Doom 2. On multiple occasions uh, in Doom 64, I have run across sections where I, I activate a button and I have absolutely no idea what this button does. So I have just left to wander through the level again to find out what the heck it activated. In the most egregious case, this button is timed. So I had to uh, time hit the button and then run back through the level to find out what the heck it was activating. 
over and over and over again. That was very aggravating. And I'm not saying that I just waltzed through Doom 1 and Doom 2 without, you know, getting stuck in a few places, but I, I don't remember ever activating a button and having absolutely no clue what the heck it just did or where I need to go next to reap the benefits of pressing that button. Uh, do you have strong opinions about the level design in Doom 64, especially how it compares to Doom 1 and 2? Um, it, it's very clearly going much more for the horror aesthetic. Mm. But yeah, I remember having some issues getting lost. The wor worst kind of lost, because a lot of the levels <laughs> look the same across everything. Well, like even like I think it's like the fifth level. You just start in the middle of like this hub, like a, like in the center of like a spoke of wheels, and you've basically just got to wander in every direction on it and activate mm. a button. Then you got to wander through all the other spokes to find out what that button did. That has been the worst level for me so far. Just Doom Three. Let, let's just set Doom Three aside. That is the worst Doom level I've ever played. Oh, there's some worse levels that I've played, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm sure you, you probably played a lot more of the uh, the custom modding community than I have. I, I played a lot of the official levels with friends. Like, we were playing a PC mm -hmm. port that had... Because a lot of the time when they did ports to other consoles of the original two games, they'd add levels that the porter would make. Mm -hmm. uh, and the levels that were on the doom 3 xbox version there's one that's set in the sewers and it's just the worst thing it's the worst gaming experience i've ever played i've, I've read about that level it's it's very early on it's like the second level if you know how to get to it i think and it's just it's huge and it's just empty yeah i've read about that but i haven't played it myself it's like a secret level yeah yeah speaking of did you find the secret levels in Doom 64 to get the Unmaker? I found the Unmaker. I don't know if I've missed any of the parts to it yet. I'm just I'm just playing through it. I'm just oh, okay. having fun just shooting things. Like the uh the double shotgun, you know. To go back to the shotgun discussion. The double shotgun in Doom 64 is amazing. Usually there especially I remember distinctly in Doom 2 when you're using the super shotgun. Uh, has quite a long reload animation, which is very unusual for Doom because the guns don't have reload animations, but that was how they offset the sheer power of that gun yeah. was to make it so you couldn't fire it again for one or two seconds after shooting something. In Doom 64, that reload animation is, it's basically not there, and you can fire again like less than half a second later. So I am just blowing through the entire game even against the most powerful monsters with the super shotgun <laughs> yeah the, the super shotgun in general is just perfection <laughs> yeah it is like doom very early on in the history of first person shooters just nailed the shotgun and other games other first person shooters i feel they really live and die by how their shotguns compare to doom because it is still the standard as far as i'm concerned yeah well they even managed to make it cooler in uh, doom eternal Ooh, i can't wait <laughs> um uh, they added a sort of grappling hook to it so you can hook enemies and just fly up to their face <laughs> and shoot them it's so fun oh uh, no uh, doom 64 actually ties into the start of doom 2016 mm -hmm. yeah the lost levels which i haven't unlocked yet uh have you played that have you yeah. gotten to those yeah why don't you talk about that 
I don't know if anyone's playing Doom for the story, but if you are, the general gist of Doom 64 is that Doom guy stays in hell to just kill more demons, because this is the same Doom Marine from Doom 1 and 2. In Doom 64 or... Uh... In Doom 64. So... Okay. Because he doesn't start off in hell. You start off in another Mars lab. Or I think you do. It, it looks like you do. The, the general gist is that Doom 1 is the UAC is making teleporters and it's, mm. it's the slingshot thing where they teleport to another dimension and then back into this one in a new location. But that slingshot dimension is hell. So mm-hmm. they've opened a portal to hell and they find out and invade. Doom 2 is hell on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've made their way to earth and then you fight them off and stop the invasion by killing the icon of sin. And then Doom 64, it's like, uh... We've been still doing the teleportation experiments, and uh, we did it again. <laughs> and the guy's like, "All right, l- one last time." And then he realizes this is gonna just keep happening. I'm gonna stay in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he became the Doom Slayer, and that leads into Doom 2016. Uh, it, uh, it's more fleshed out in Doom Eternal. Uh, hmm. He's basically found by another race in hell. Um, he's just turned into a, a babbling mess. They actually reference the Doom comic where he's a screaming rip and tear. <laughs> That's where that comes from. It's the Doom comic. I wondered where that came from. The first time I saw rip and tear in Doom was that uh, Animal Crossing crossover video that somebody made where Isabel from Animal Crossing said rip and tear. is like, I like that. I don't know where that came from, but that's funny. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, also... He, he says to a big demon, you're huge. That means that you have huge guts. <laughs> Something like that. It's That's also a kind of integrated into the, um, this Doom Slayer or Doom Guy story. Because he's been in hell so long, he's just kind of lost his mind. Hmm. Um, but he joins these um, the Sentinels and helps, Chozo. helps them out. It, basically, and then they turn him into the Doom Slayer, <laughs> give him, like, the extra strength and everything. Yeah, and then he ends up in a sarcophagus at some point. Because they can't kill him. <laughs> yeah, I think the demons just get him in there somehow, and then they're just like, let's hope he never escapes. And then he escapes. <laughs> yeah, then he escapes. Yeah. And then that's where 2016 starts. Which has a Switch port, and it, it, it's it's an alright port, you know. I it's think if good. you can't play it anywhere else, you can play it there. I, I think they've patched it since uh, since... 2017 when it came out which is when yeah. i played it uh there was there was some pretty bad frame rate issues in in a few of the set pieces which really kept me from fully enjoying it when i replayed it on playstation 4 the next year i i enjoyed it much more but it's still a good place to play it. and like i said i think they've patched it so it runs a bit better now and it also follows the formula of the original doom games and it expands on the run and gun thing mm-hmm. by adding like a lot more movement options. Yeah, it doesn't feel the same exactly, but it's definitely spiritually building upon it. Whereas yeah. Doom Three was just the antithesis of it. It was that, that yes. era of video games where they were taking, like Breath of the Wild, is a reimagining of the original Zelda game. It doesn't feel like the original Zelda game, but it feels like what they were trying to accomplish with the technology at the time, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's taking the spirit of it and using 
new technology to make it more immersive. And that's what Doom 2016 is to me. It's taking the original Doom and going, we have the technology to make this even better. Yeah, I think the main difference I would say between classic Doom and the new Dooms is uh, I, I would never get into melee range, even with the famous chainsaw. It's like, if I'm in melee range, I'm in trouble. Whereas in Doom 2016, no, you want to get up close and personal with monsters in that because that's how you stay alive. Oh, yeah. But without getting too much into the mechanics of Doom 2016. I often think in that in Doom, it's resource management. Health is a resource. Mm. Demons have it. Mm-hmm. Um, glory kills aren't a classically Doom thing. That's something that they added to enhance the combat. Because there's that, that's how you heal. There's no auto heal in this. But the game wants you to kill demons. And how, how does it encourage you to do that? Well... By healing, <laughs> staying alive to kill more demons. It's a really interesting combat loop. It's a vicious cycle. Doom yeah. guys got some issues. It's a refinement of the formula from the original Doom. <laughs> it's still got that run and gun mm-hmm. sort of flavor to it. I mean, even Doom twenty, uh, Doom sixty four has a little bit of that run and gun in it. It's much more of a slower paced game, if I remember. It's comparable, yeah. I, I would, I'm playing it right after Doom 3, so my, my perspective might be a little skewed. But <laughs> it, it feels closer to Doom 1 and 2 to me. <laughs> it doesn't feel too, too far afield. But mm. that refinement is the word. Yeah. yeah. Doom 2016 and Eternal feels like further refinement on the ideas of the original Doom games, whereas Doom 3 just felt like a rejection of those ideas, even though there were still some things in it that I recognized as doom i think it's good that doom is kind of bringing back the arcade style of shooter games because that went mm-hmm. really realistic like you call a duty in battlefield which is fine yeah. if you like those games but i missed that arcadey feel of shooters and bringing doom back like this has brought them back yeah, I, I really fell off of shooters when Call of Duty got big and just every shooter started becoming like Call of Duty. The exception was Borderlands, and I could not explain why. And then finally, uh, a few years ago, I played a, a roguelike uh, first-person shooter called Immortal Redneck, where y- your character like moves really fast and is really nimble and plays a lot like the uh, player character in Quake. And then I finally realized, like, oh that's why I fell off of shooters because they became really slow and boring Yeah, <laughs> compared to Doom and, and Borderlands and Immortal Redneck and Quake. It's like, those are the kinds of shooters I like to play. They, they It's its own genre now that they uh, affectionately refer to as boomer shooters. <laughs> There's games like Dusk, but that I, I, I call them an arena shooters, even if it's not like strictly a multiplayer arena um, Quake is probably the one that modern games draw off more from mm-hmm. in that genre. Because Quake multiplayer was just huge before before Counter-Strike took over the world. It was Quake. Quake multiplayer is what everybody played. I think everyone was striving for realism and people conflated that with maturity. Mm-hmm. Like, and anything that was strictly fun was a kiddie game. Yeah, because in the early 2000s, everybody who grew up playing video games suddenly became very concerned with being seen as adults and seeing as things as mature with, you know, a an immature person's idea of maturity. So now we yeah. are actually mature and we're like, oh, wait, it's okay to have fun. Great. Oh, yeah. All right. 
I mean, you, you have to kind of learn, like, Doom, the story, the gameplay, the character that they put into the animations of, like, the demons and everything, it's all really silly and stupid. And that's a good thing. Well, there's some pathos in it, too. Like, uh, Doom 2016, the, like, one of the first things that happens in the game, it's always stuck with me. There's a moment where Doom Guy has just broken out of his sarcophagus and smashed in the faces a bunch of zombies and gets his first gun, and he rides an elevator up. The science lab he's in is talking about how great the science lab is and how they're working for the benefit of humanity, and Doom Guy just looks at this human corpse in the elevator with him, and you there's no words or anything, but you can tell mm. he's thinking, what have you done for this guy right here? How is all your science here helping this guy while I'm surrounded by demons here on the surface of Mars? Like, you ain't helping anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a really, a really small moment that I really appreciated. There is definitely, at least in Doom 2016 onward, there there's more going on here than just angry man shoots things. But the way that they use the animation from a first-person perspective, like... There's a moment later on where Samuel Hayden's like, okay, we need to do this. Just gently take out the uh, lens <laughs> and Doomguy just stomps it with his foot and just yeah. keeps stomping. <laughs> it's it's, it's multi-layered because like the surface is... Doomguy doesn't care about the story because the player doesn't care about the story oh, yeah. because it's Doom. Underneath that... What's really happening is Doom Guy has nothing but contempt for this person. So yeah, he's gonna smash his stuff whenever he gets the chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th very early on in Doom 2016, there's the exposition dump that they tried to do, where there's a screen and it's like, okay, this is what's happening now. This is my name. This is what's happening. And Doom Guy just grabs a screen and throws it. <laughs> like no words spoken. It, it's a that was their way of saying. Who cares? Let's play the game. Yeah. And I Doom love Guy is, is a really excellent example of how to do a, a silent player character. Yeah. Um, though they give him a couple of lines in Doom Eternal and... Uh, oh, no. I oh, can't no. wait for you to... It, it's done in <laughs> such a way where it's taking itself too seriously and it comes mm. off as funny. And I think it's meant to be funny. You'll see. It's the whole rip and tear thing. I got to justify my Game Pass subscription because I <laughs> didn't play any Game Pass games in February and I already feel bad about it. So I'm playing Guardians of the Galaxy on my Xbox this month, but oh, I'll yeah. get to Doom Eternal at some point after that. Moving on from Doom discussion, kind of. Uh, <laughs> the new release that I played this week was Chex Quest HD, which uh, if you don't know the history of this game, uh, General Mills, the creators of the Chex cereal brand bought the Doom... Well, they licensed the Doom engine and made a game in it where you play as cereal characters, basically, shooting green goo aliens on a, on a space base. But because they made it with the Doom engine, it, it actually turned out to be a pretty cool game. <laughs> <laughs> Completely absurd, but kind of cool. Like, instead of guns, because this was given away free in boxes of cereal intended for children. So they really lightened the game up. This would, this would no problem get an E rating today. Uh, but instead of guns, you get things called Zorchers, which are like these remote controls that fire beams of energy at the 
the slime monsters doesn't kill the slime monsters it just teleports them away somewhere else they're they're not real specific uh instead of mars you're on bazooik which is like this mining asteroid i think uh the details really aren't that important and instead of demons as i said you're fighting green slime monsters called flamoids it was a cult classic mostly because it was a free game you could get from a box of cereal when you were eight years old and getting a free game was a big deal and you know getting a new game was a big deal in the 90s it wasn't like today where there was cool new games coming out every week and we could afford them Uh, it, it was it was a rare and exciting thing to get a good game back then this is a remaster of that that first came out in 2018 i believe on steam uh that has now appeared on switch somehow <laughs> uh i'm very disappointed to say that even though this game is called chicks quest hg it's it's not a remaster it's a remake in unreal engine 4 and it, it just it does not feel like doom at all it, it, except in the sense that you know it's a first person shooter in a very old school style of level design like you're still going through finding your zorchers and shooting rudimentary enemies and slowly teching up through the gun tree as the monsters get stronger and you're finding your color-coded key cards to find your way through the levels and you have to backtrack a little bit to find the door and you get to the exit uh it does feel like doom in that sense but just the way the game feels to play doesn't feel like doom at all and i attribute that entirely to the fact that they made this an unreal engine 4 you you oh. would know you're you're our doom expert was Doom 2016? Was that made in Unreal Engine? No, that was It Tech. Um, it Tech. That yeah. Okay. I can't remember which number. So you, the point is, it's not Unreal. No. <laughs> it has 360 degree aiming, which the game doesn't really need it, but it's there. And no matter how much I played with the sen- the look sensitivity, it just never felt right. It was either way too slow or it was way too jerky. Uh, I, I still managed to get through the game in spite of it because it, the difficulty is just not very high. And there's only like five levels, so I blew through this game in about an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> but it, it was a $5 game, and I, I figured I'd take a gamble on it because of its its pedigree and its its history, and it's, it's an interesting relationship to Doom, which I was just happened to be playing a couple Doom games in the past couple weeks, but... <laughs> Uh, no, no, this is not the checks quest you remember from your childhood. Don't, don't get it. I think you'll just be disappointed. But if you want to take a look at it, it's five bucks. I don't. It's not going to break the bank for most people. I think. But I didn't enjoy it. I didn't appreciate it. It's a pass from me. The names of everything, the Zorches and Bazoik. It just feels like a Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> it, it feels like a. A 90s cartoon, because <laughs> that's basically what it was. I'm sure they had a lot of the people who do a lot of the advertising for kids in the 90s, I'm sure were deeply involved in the creation of this game. But, yeah. yeah, it's the, the letter Z and the oi sound, like zoik <laughs> oid, zot, <laughs> lameoid. But that is the really good news. Speaking of price of Chex Quest HD, all the games we've talked about this week are 
dirt cheap on the eShop, even when they're new. They often go on sale. You can get Doom 1 and Doom 2 for like two bucks when they're on sale. Mm. Doom 3 is a little more. I think it's $5 on sale. Doom 64, also one or two dollars when it's on sale. Definitely get them if you're into these kind of games. They are great ports. The Switch is a great place to play them. And Chex Quest, I'm sure, someday will be that cheap as well. Uh, yeah, very good ports with uh, community WAD files as well, which are level mm-hmm, packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can download additional campaigns beyond what the games originally launched with, so there's quite a bit of content in these games as well. Yeah, well, you can get the, the final Doom WADs, which is um, TNT and Plutonia. Mm-hmm. But there's also one called Sigil, which was made by John Romero himself, which is one of the original level designers from id Software during the original Doom era. Um, he he did a Doom word called Sigil, and it's really cool. The music's done by Buckethead, if you've heard of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a name I've not heard in a long time. Now. <laughs> not since the Guitar Hero 2 days. Yeah, that's where I know him from. <laughs> I think I, without painting with too broad a brush, I'm sure that's where most people have heard of him from. But if you're a big music fan, you know who Buckethead is. He's like the the guitar virtuoso of our generation. But And he wears uh, a KFC bucket on his head. Yeah, he, he's very private and he's very weird. He's, uh, oh, who's the guy with the moon head? I always forget his name. Uh, he made Nier Automata. Oh, uh, Yoko Taro? Yoko Taro, yeah. He's the Yoko Taro of guitar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just an absolute genius who wears weird things on his head when he's doing publicity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, that's Doom. A lot of Doom this week. I know we've done many Doom episodes on this podcast, but I wasn't hosting then. I think we all grew up with it. Yeah. I wasn't hosting those episodes. This is what a Doom episode is like when I'm hosting. And I think we had a good chat. I enjoyed it. Uh, Tori, what are you playing in the coming week? Um, so I have to make sure I get the words right. Hang on. Um, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. is coming out this week. Uh, but not Persona 4 Golden, you yeah, bastards. I really want to play it on the Switch as well. <laughs> like, that would look really nice. If you've seen the graphic design for Persona games, it's really vibrant. It would look mm-hmm. really nice in the OLED. The screenshots I'm seeing of Ultimax, they almost look like pixel art, or was I just seeing really degraded screenshots? No, it is pixel art, but it's really, <laughs> it's an Arc Systems game, and they like to have 3D backgrounds with pixel art for the characters, but the pixel art is really well animated, like it's really mm-hmm. fluid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this has its own story mode. Um, it's got the original Persona 4 Arena story mode and the Ultimax one. Wow. So um, much content. I'm playing it for the story. Everyone's up in arms about the whole ro- rollback netcode thing. I don't care. Mm. I'm not going to play online. Yeah. That, that's how I feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you there. If I got this, I would totally play it for the story. But I don't want to do that until I played Persona 4 Golden because this is a sequel. Yeah, it's a sequel to both Persona 4 and Persona 3 in a way. I'll just ignore the Persona 3 part. It's like, eh, I only got so much time in my life. (laughs) 
well, they're actually, the characters are actually kind of main characters in the story, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but also the Mario Kart 8 tracks coming out next yes. Friday. So mm-hmm, all over mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking those out too. And also the Switch physical release, uh, finally. Uh, I think the game's been out since October. But the physical version of Disco Elysium is finally coming out on Switch. I've been holding out for this port instead of playing it on Xbox or PlayStation. I'll be starting that, and I'll be talking about that, assuming my delivery arrives, because uh, we've been having some problems with that on the podcast, but we'll be back next week with chat about something. So check in with us then. With any luck, Andy will be back with us to talk about Triangle Strategy as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also, make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayStation for PlayStation and Power of X for Xbox. Also, join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. You can find the links for these in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can also buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically, or check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. You can follow myself, Tori, on Twitter at Stewtwo, S-T-W-T-W-O, or on Twitch at ToriSTW. Uh, it's not an id software game it's not no well shoot i'm gonna re-record that then (laughs) um i'm just gonna cut that out just go ahead midway games midway i thought midway just published it uh midway studio san diego i think okay it helped they supervised Mm -hmm. but they didn't actually make it well, that would explain it, because I, I, I do have some complaints about the level design in this game. <laughs> but 
Anyway, I'm going to cut out that I said that. I'm just going to cut it out. Luckily, um, you have the Doom fan here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 